I'm not going to walk like an Egyptian. That not, that is of course uh, cultural not, appropriation. Of course not during Arab Spring, at least. No, that's it's like making tacos, or you know, you can't do that anymore. I mean, all America is is cultural appropriation. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the whole point. I thought. Well, yeah. actually, it wasn't, and then it kind of just worked out that way. Right. I think not I'm like, everyone had a choice. Not everyone so, did have a choice. Yeah. But uh, that's a subject way beyond our comprehension. Yeah, the not-so-rad years. Yeah, the sad years. Did you... Uh, do you Maybe, uh, when, I, when I do my own spinoff, I'll, call, I'll do the sad years. Uh, well, that's already been copyrighted by our friend Rocco. He wants to do the sad years podcast. More equivalent to his life. The sad years. Uh, did hey! You, do you like the song... I did. Very nice. I was glad you wanted a song. Yeah, I, that was a little surprise for you. Um, I knew you'd appreciate it. I, I went through the top 100, and I, there was a couple picks, um, and I had to go with Walk Like an Egyptian. Well, I mean, it's not like very many big albums came out in 87. Are you being, All right. Are, are you prepping us? Well, before we get to your list... Uh, we're just gonna start by saying that because of Squeeze's list, th- this is a th- this is the year we're talking 1987. It's gonna be obviously a four-hour podcast. You know what? I, I shortened it. I really did. So three and a half hours. Be- yeah. Well, here's the thing, and it, it wasn't intentional. Well, it it wasn't intentional, but I, I tried to leave off more of the sad shit. Okay. Um, yeah, we don't need to hear that. And 87 was kind of just a bummer. Yeah, but there's a lot of things that made it not a bummer, and we're going to talk about that. But before that, yeah, uh, we've been away for two weeks, and we haven't missed two weeks in a row since we accidentally did it last summer when I was in Europe. And that was an accident. That we really accident. thought we actually didn't do it, but we did. Right. And it's our gross incompetence that you've come to love and adore. Right. Out of anything that it was, it was our gross incompetence. But uh, this time, there was a... Well, it wasn't a good reason, but it was a valid reason. Yeah, kind uh, of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I lost my dad. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into it, but the, the whole reason I can talk about all this awesome stuff and all the cool shit I got to do and all the toys that, you know, spoiled squeezer got to have is, you know, cause, you know because of him. You know, right, I got is- a lot of great memories. Your mom and, was the one who uh, didn't want you to watch Pee Wee Herman. I bet your dad would have been okay with it. Oh, I'm 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 sure he would have been. He was probably standing out in the garage, staring at the workbench, drinking a beer by himself. But well, I feel like uh, myself and most of the listeners know him from all the stories he's told, and they've all been very uh, heartwarming and, and happy. Oh, so. well, good. Then you know, mission accomplished. I appreciate all the. Lo- it's amazing. Like I absolutely abhor social media i think it's the most evil thing on the planet the last thing i want is a more educated more interlocked more uh communicating populace sure okay i'm an old school um person uh 
being. Yeah. Well, no, I, I was going to go more like a dictator. Oh. You know? Where you just want to uh, end the lines of communication and... Um, yeah, I, I don't think we, I don't think we're in a, we're in this, like, we're in a flux right now. We're just learning. These are, we're in our, you know, uh, uh, we're on training wheels right now, figuring out how all this communication thing works. We're not supposed to talk like this. Right. We weren't designed for this, so we're trying to figure it out. Um, in the meantime, you know, just let one or two powerful people rule the world and, um, in the meantime, we'll, we'll flood... We'll flood the uh, communication waves with uh, dummies talking about stuff that they did when they were kids. Yeah, and that's us. That's what that's where we come in. <clears throat> and without us, you wouldn't have that. So you're welcome. Yes, we are the pink noise. Sure, <laughs> but yeah, there was a lot of sweet things. Uh, I made the post of after wanting to post Darth Vader, and you're like, sure, go ahead and portray my dad as an evil <laughs> genocidal maniac dictator character. I'm like, well, I was gonna use one of those sweet pictures from the. <laughs> Darth Vader and Sun book, <laughs> but I found that Homer and Bart was probably more fitting. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, all the love from everyone uh, was really not surprising. No. Um, because they are all awesome out there, and yeah. it really is just a very, <clears throat> I don't want to sound foofy uh, 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 foofy, but it, it it's but a nice group of people. It's a great community. It's sweet. It's a great community. It's a small little one we foster here with a lot of our friends. And I feel like, I, you know, and we it's haven't a met coming them. together of a bunch of other communities. You yeah. know, you got your wrestling guys over here. Um, well, here's, here's the way I see it, Squeezer. There's just so much bullshit in the world now. And there's so much on Instagram of, of people just trying to be famous, like giving up their job to be an Instagram baker or an Instagram well, or an Instagram. Uh, cook and sure, if that makes you happy, fine. But there's a group of us who were find happiness. Want 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 to go on Instagram and see a little bit of stuff that w we remember when that bullshit didn't exist, and and then listen to you and I yap about it for three hours at a time. And I yeah. feel like that's the niche we fill because that's what I was looking for, and I f I felt like we had I didn't there really wasn't a weekly podcast out there that did what we did. So well. We're not either, I guess. What's that? Well, yeah. We're not a weekly podcast anymore. Well, we are. We just, you no. know. Well, I was, believe me, I was bummed. Uh, for all the people. I don't like letting the people down. I, you, you didn't let us down. You didn't let us down. In fact, we're more proud of you than ever. Oh, shucks. You fought through it, and you came out on the other side a stronger person. I, uh, probably physically stronger? No. Well, you, you're very strong, Squeezer. I comment that at work all the time. You're strong like a bull. Oh, well, yes. It's the rippling physique. Mm -hmm. They actually um, based Conan the Barbarian off of, not directly off right. of me, right. but the general, the not so much the hair, but the rippling muscles. Oh, yes. Uh, those are what people like to get in the most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They also based uh, Red Sonja's uh, physique on me as well. Who's that? Red Sonja. Oh, well, <laughs> I was going to say a little, I don't know if our audience knows this, but they, you are the body double for D'Angelo in his music video for Untitled. How does it feel? <laughs> that, that's, that's very true. I was a body double for many a people. Yeah. 
<coughs> yeah, you were. And I mean, if if you guys are fans of the show Forensic Files and you can spot Squeezer's cameos, uh, and you you write us and tell us what they are, I will send you something cool. <laughs> That's a guarantee here. Free. Some, if you want something free. Spot Squeezer's cameos in the show Forensic Files. It airs fucking all day long, <laughs> I feel like, on what, li- uh, Headline News, HLN? Headline News, yeah. yeah. If you have HLN, CNN, HLN, all day long, Forensic Files is pretty much on, in between Nancy Grace shows. So if you could spot the Squeezer cameo, there's something special on it for you. Maybe Most of the time, I'm a woman. Yeah. Just a heads up. It's well, tricky. don't give it away. Well, no, I'm not giving away. I don't want to give away my entire retroactive figures collection just because everyone found the episode you were in. Uh, Anyway, well, the episodes. It wasn't just one. So, 1987, Squeezer, lay it on us. All right, 1987. Hold on, I'm going to need this. All right, continue. Awesome. You know, it was the 35th year of Queen Elizabeth II reign. Wow. Apparently, they have a calendar just for that. Uh, It's also uh, the year of the male fire tiger in Tibet. Oh. Yeah. So now everyone around the world knows what year I'm talking about. (laughs) We got the Simpsons debut on Tracy Ullman. Yeah. Uh, The concept of Euro Disney is conceived, and the plans start going in motion for a Euro Disney Hello, where are you? My kids need wine. <laughs> uh, it also gave us WrestleMania 3, which gave us Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat. It also, squeeze your sidebar and get your bingo cards out, everybody, gave us oh. uh, Bruce Pritchard's first year in the WWF. And without that, we wouldn't get something to wrestle with. How the hell did you just know that off the top? Or did you look it up? I didn't. I just knew that off the top you of my head. You just knew. Yeah. Just, geez. Happy 50th birthday, Golden Gate Bridge. Oh. Yeah, we'll have more on the Golden Gate Bridge coming up on this show. I can't wait. There were 5 billion people on this planet. So in, what, 20... Oh, Jesus, 30 years. 31 years, we got like 5 billion billion people on 76 commuting every day. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, they had the first conference on artificial life, oh. which I really, I think it was just a, a like the first Terminator convention, to be honest. When does Skynet, Skynet launch? That's in the 2000s. 1997. Right? 97. It happened. Oh, it I happened. was terrified as a little pussy kid, trust me. Hmm. So go to Terminator movies and the world's going to end. Because, you know, don't believe the movie, not the magazine on the grocery store rat kid. Uh, we got the first KFC in Tiananmen Square. Uh, Hustler versus Falwell was argued in the Supreme Court. It would be decided in 1988, so I can save that one for another year. <laughs> uh, baby Jessica fell down a well. Uh, the Nike Air Max was designed. The first version of Photoshop was released. And, uh, and a program I use daily. Yes. To this, yeah. It, I doubt it re- resembles anything like it. But, uh, I'm sure it's closer than whatever... Uh, uh, Final Cut X looks like compared to... to <laughs> uh, Where's uh, 8 and 9, Steve Jobs? <laughs> uh, K.W. Uh, Jeter, he's an author, coined the term steampunk. Oh. That only goes back to... I was surprised. Like, I thought that would go back to, well, I guess whenever steampunk takes place. Well, I don't think when steampunk was happening that they knew they were in steampunk. Gotcha. 
Uh, Tom Clancy gave us Patriot Games. Okay. Ooh. Stephen King was busy. Uh, speaking of Tom Clancy, we just finished episode four or five, four of, of Jack Ryan. How is it? The missus really wants to watch it. She's going to love it. And okay. it's fucking fantastic. Excellent. Does, um, what's his name, office kid take his shirt off? Multiple That's all times. she probably wants to He's know. Full nude. And, and it gives me hope for someone oh, I'm in. with a giant schnoz could just be a leading handsome man in Hollywood. And here, uh, here we're going to sidebar squeeze her. Okay. Uh, you were the, the full male nudity is what does it for <laughs> No. You were present at a, a roundtable meeting with our, a couple of our friends one day when we were discussing how I would fix the DC universe. And before this show even came out, who did I say would be perfect for Bruce Wayne? Oh yeah, John Krasinski. Yeah, yeah, and this show yeah. proves he can. He's got the chops to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, he would be a perfect Bruce Wayne. I, I say. A uh, Bruce Wayne? It, would he be like? Does it transition into the Batman though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's got that innocence, where, I think he could pull off. You know, I'm a little angry that my mom and dad are dead. But, you know, he can't pull off the Christian Bale brooding. I don't know. Well, maybe he can. We haven't seen him, you know. But I, I don't want that out of a Batman. You know, I'm looking for, like, someone who's, like, timid but angry, who wants to blow up a wall of a, a big dinner between all the Gotham's gangsters and say, you've all, been, been, you've all ate long enough. It ends now. <laughs> but could we have, he plays Batman, yeah. or he plays Bruce Wayne. But when it comes time for Batman, he's completely CGI and then just voiced by Kevin Conroy. <laughs> well, you don't need to CGI him. Darth All Vader right, well, wasn't CGI, well, and he was vo- and he wasn't played by James Earl Jones. Yeah, but it's it's I thought about that, but it's 2018. We got to waste our money on something. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I don't know. I think I think he could pull it off. I think he could pull off a voice, a, a Kevin Conroy esque. I think he can. Uh, yeah. My my full faith is in John Krasinski. I mean, this is all high fantasy. I'm sure mm-hmm. you have some. You're, so you're having high fantasies of John Krasinski. Well, he... It's all right. He had bare buttocks in tonight's episode. We were watching before we came up here, Squeezer. All right. Well, I want to watch his show. She wants to watch his show, so now there's full motivation it, for I nice, mean, it's nice been, family viewing. It's been a while before... You all have Amazon Prime, I'm sure. But no, yeah, but I never... <laughs> no one uses thing. the streaming, you know? We all the, have what it. did I tell you? The only thing I watch on it are like ni- documentaries from 1990 about the Roman Empire that we would have watched in school. Right, and I just keep watching East Down and Down, even though I have HBO Go. It's just easier, and I feel like I feel like I'm wasting less of my money mm-hmm. if I watch East Down and Down for the fiftieth time. Because all those ones and zeros coming over your line. Um... Listen, it's a state of mind squeeze. All right, <laughs> all right. So Tom Clancy, Patriot Games. Stephen King. He gave us uh, Misery, Dark Tower Two, and Tommy Knockers. Okay, sidebar. Tomorrow, yeah. the last episode of Castle Rock gets released, and I don't know if there's been a better show since Stranger Things. Ah, uh, stop! I haven't seen, even seen the first one I yet. I am fully fucking hooked and into the lore. And so here's here's where I I I I can go back. How many? There's only like twelve of them, right? There's ten. Ten. Okay, the tenth I one can gets go released back tomorrow. So here's what where I'm torn. 
I love the fact that Netflix drops all their episodes at once. And uh-huh. while we were watching Handmaid's Tale this summer, I was getting pissed. I'm like, oh, why is it every Wednesday? Every Wednesday, Handmaid's Tale is coming out. They did the same thing with Castle Rock. They put out the first three, and then every Wednesday you get an episode. But mm-hmm. it, it gives that whole, like, it gives that time for, like, the internet to throw out theories. And that's yeah. so much fun for me. Like, mm-hmm. when you get them all at once, like, people just go ahead and watch ahead, and they figure it out, and it gets spoiled. This yeah. way... Reddit has its theories, and I have my theories, and, and it's fun. Tomorrow, we're collectively all going to get to see if we're right and what's the true story. Dude, I'm a Westworld fan. It, the, we, the internet basically shuts down when our brains start going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm all, right. I, I'm all, I'm all for like, the theory. So I, I, you watch I, Mayans I, yet? No, no. I recorded. Uh, it's good. For some Second re- one's airing as we're recording this right now. Yeah, it's recording, and I, I had to record. I watched Always Sunny uh, on on Enchantress, and she's pissed at me for show treating, even though <gasps> she's not caught up. She's like, "You don't need to be caught up on Always Sunny," uh, and I'm not sure if she's gonna want to watch the Mayans with me because she never saw um, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, you don't have to, but I guess it helps. But the cast is awesome. And it's got Edward James almost in it, so sold. sold. He was fucking great, and he's one of the the better reasons to watch Dexter. Edward James almost, well, with Colin Hanks, good season. Uh, so Watchmen came out in 1987. Oh, and HBO just released the poster for their Watchmen series. <laughs> I got, I got, um, a, I, got a, I got a fucking cable streaming series line for every. Everything you're dropping here. Go ahead. What's your next one? I just, I don't, I want to be very clear here. I'm not responsible that this list is taking forever to get through. That's true. That's my digression. Here, I'm about to slow you down even more. Okay. DC did their reboots in 87. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) no. My favorite reboot was the New 52 because, I mean, I was like, in 87, I was five, so. Mm-hmm. And and they didn't renumber, so right, correct? You know, no, they they started with a volume. Yeah, so they didn't renumber the new fifty two. They renumbered, and I thought that was crazy and cool. So, yeah. and it, but it gave us like Batman Year One. Right. Um, well, that's when they went out, and that's of course that's what we were talking about. That's the line where I just said, "You've all eaten long enough." <laughs> that's from Batman Year One, Frank uh, Miller, the seminal book. Anyway, continue. Uh, Peter Parker marries Mary Jane. So uh, we got the. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, okay, I got no, I got stuff for it, but I. No, won't. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Enchantress just told me today she bought me Spider-Man for PS4, so I'm very excited. Oh, look at you! I know. Tell me how it is. I will. Uh, where was I? Uh, we got Mister Sinister. We uh, t- we spoke about how uh, how much I love Mister Sinister and how awesome he is. Right. And we also got Bushwhacker and Microchip in the same year. Uh. So, uh, and Punisher and Dale yeah, Dever, right. their Daredevil, uh, had uh, some new friends to play with. Well, I think without the guy in the chair, the Punisher wouldn't be what it is. That's Garth Ennis and his war mm-hmm. journal really made use of Microchip. But continue. Um, it was the first naked eye supernova since 1604. I got nothing on that, but go on. Okay, good. Uh, Okay. Dr. Ben Carson separates <laughs> chrono... Pe- get it, blah, 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 
He separates twins without their heads stuck together. We'll call it that. Isn't he in charge of, like, HUD housing I, now? No, no, no. I don't know what he... He is the most brilliant man in politics right now because no one knows where the hell he is. That's true. Where is he? Yeah, where is Ben Carson? He's secretary of... Uh, of housing, uh, right? Housing. And urban yeah. development. Urban development. Hmm. Um, and he is... Hi. I'm pretty sure he has... Uh, he got on a plane and flew into the Rockies to wherever John Galt's hiding. I think he sewed his head to somebody else, and he's walking around like conjoined twins. Uh, they started work on the channel. Okay. Uh, in the video game world, let me make sure I don't step on ourselves here. Contra, Street Fighter, uh, dun, came to the arcade. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, Our intro is Contra. I don't know if people know that or not. I think people... Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Uh... Were you, you were like, two. oh, I think people, and then what? You, you tried your joke after you were like, oh, yeah, I think I you, you were, yeah, so, ah. sorry. Zelda 2 was released in Japan when The Legend of Zelda was released in the U.S. They were, oh, Cross out that us. one, because I'm doing this one now. And Maniac Mansion, which I wanted to talk about, but I would have had to go back and replay it to truly be able to break it down. I just didn't have time right, for that. So time? I'll eventually go back and break down Maniac Mansion for another episode. I can't wait. Uh, Aretha Franklin was the first woman inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rest in peace. Uh, we had some... Oh, all right. I'll skip birthdays and go right to deaths. Uh, Ray Bolger... Uh, he passed away. He was the Scarecrow and also a number of Simpson references. Mm -hmm. uh, Liberace, Andy Warhol, Lee Marvin, Lauren Green, and Jackie Gleason. Okay. Which for me is like weird because like I grew up watching some Jackie Gleason stuff and I was such a big Honeymooners fan. Like to me, he was still alive. Right. Uh, but birthdays, it's weird when you start doing like birthdays because even though they're only a couple years younger than us, but... Uh, Ellen Page, Little Bow Wow, uh, Marco Andretti, and Evan Rachel Wood. Oh. All 1987, yeah. Marco. Mm-hmm. Polo. Our area, uh, Lea Valley area resident. And a heck of a nice guy. Were you here the day we had him in on the show? Uh, yeah. yeah, sweet guy. Heck of a nice guy. Uh, Penn State won a national title in the foosball. Wow. Uh, uh, Giants won Super Bowl 21. Uh, Tyson, who was the WBC champ, uh, beats James Smith to win the WA title, so that's two belts to him now. Uh, the, uh, Australia beat England by seven runs in the Cricket World Cup. Oh. Uh, I spoke, I've tried the cricket. I really don't know what the hell is going on. No. I want to I wanna know what the hell I'm looking at. So there's this Australian bar in Manhattan. It's not far from uh, Murray Hill. Uh, uh, so we go there, and Australian people would obviously go and hang out. It was ran by Australian people, and they'd always have cricket on, and you'd get drunk, and you'd try and find it. You'd just you'd chew, and they, it, was, it was probably fun because we were all fucking wasted. I had no idea what I was chewing. Well, yes, it's, that's the same reason why people like why soccer looks so fun. Right, because it's drunk. Like I told you, I, I was doing that concert at, like, at night, so we're setting up, and there's people, like 5,000 Colombians out there watching soccer and having the time of their life, and I was jealous. Yeah, it's hooliganism. Yeah, I mean, this looks like a fun time. You all like each other. You're getting along. You're cheering for the ball and the net and all that stuff. And there's a lot of drinking. Right, and it, and it, the it's, food smelled amazing. It's easier than, like, when there's, what, we have 32 NFL teams? 
Yeah. So it's one country divided by 32. So you go to a bar and, you know, half of it likes Philadelphia, half of it, half of it, the other half is split between Pittsburgh and the Giants. And then there's like, you take like a quarter of that bar and you add the rest, uh, every uh, thir- 29 other teams. And it's kind of. Multiply by 30% and there's your asshole quota. Right. And it's kind of not fun. But if yeah. everyone was, everyone at the bar was rooting for one team, that's, that was also another thing about Manhattan. Uh, there, that there's bar uh, like there's so many fucking bars in Manhattan, sports bars. There's bars dedicated to certain teams, mm-hmm. th- and there's nothing more fun than watching the Vikings lose in a Vikings bar. I can t- tell you that right <laughs> now. But I digress. Continue. Uh, Edmonton Oilers beat the Flyers, and at that uh, Gretzky won both the Art Ross and the Hart Memorial trophies because he's just such a badass. Uh, Stars and Stripes 87 won the America's Cup. That's a boat race. Oh. And that, and, uh, Stars and Stripes 87 is a boat uh, that won the boat race. Uh, Beverly Hills Cup 2 brought in most of the cash at the box office. That was number one. Uh, Michael Douglas uh, won Best Actor for Wall Street. Sean Connery got uh, Best uh, uh, Supporting Actor for Untouchables. I forgot that he actually that he did that. He was, uh, uh, he was the Irish stereotypical cop. Yeah. Uh, and Cher won uh, Best Actress for Moonstruck. She's, she's Cher. like 47,000 years old, and she's recording a new album. Yeah. Good for her. She don't give a shit. Just watch this. Yeah, but she still looks like she's 40. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Some witch magic there. She was in that movie, right? Witches of Eastwick? Uh, Maybe. Is Fulkerson going to live forever? <laughs> Is that what we're, we're tasked oh. with? I was going to make a Sonny Bono joke, but I figured that would be distasteful. You all know what I'm thinking. Uh, uh, we also got Platoon, Lethal Weapon, Predator, Three Men and a Baby. Rick Ashley topped the charts of Never Gonna Give You Up. You 2 dropped the Joshua Tree. We got Appetite for Destruction. Which I wanted to talk about, but I, f- I figured it was too on the nose. And I didn't listen to it back then, so. I was like, well, I said it was one of the first CDs I ever bought. Number one was uh, uh, first thing I ever like listened to on like a CD was the Delicate Sound of Thunder, the Pink Floyd live tour. Yeah. Which, oh, look at that. Uh, Pink Floyd dropped Momentary Lapse of Reason. It was the first album that the band released after Roger Waters had officially left and after two years of lawsuits. And they went on to do the tour, and I believe it grossed more than Michael Jackson and uh, who's the other? It might have been Michael Jackson, Guns N' Roses, and Michael Jackson, U2 combined, that they grossed more on that tour. Uh, it was huge. Cool. And then they released a double album. And then finally, let's see. We got DuckTales, we got Star Trek The Next Generation, we got Teenage Mutant Ninja, Tur- Ninja Turtles, but sadly, the not, to, not to leave us on a downer, we lost Fraggle Rock and Remington Steel. Ugh. Well, before we get into the meat of it, I want to give two shout-outs. I'd be remiss, I, I forgot it's been so long. In the time we have not done a podcast, I think Enchantress has ran 47,000 miles. Uh, she, she completed her first ultra marathon, and, mm-hmm. uh, which is anything over a marathon. She did 50K squeezer. 
That's a lot of Ks. You know those people doing 5Ks? Yeah. She did 10 times that. So she did 31.2 miles. And then the next weekend, she ran a half marathon. She's insane. But uh, a good friend of the sh- a listener of the show and our friend Russ, he completed and kicked the ass of uh, our local marathon, the VI Lehigh Valley Health Network Marathon. Uh, and I know he's listening. So congrats, Russ. You kicked his ass. Uh, awesome. So, uh, a lot of people out there running and doing, being way better people than we are, Squeezer. I, I mentally can't do it. Yeah, I know. I, I, I walked kind of, I mean, by her last two. So this ultra marathon she did was called Labor Pains. And it was mm-hmm. up Mount Penn in Redding by the Pagoda. So you're mm-hmm. basically running up a mountain through a trail. Oh, fuck that. And it's a five-mile lap, and she did it six times. And then she had to do a mile out and back to get the 31.2. It, it's the downhill that's actually even harder. Yeah, yeah. And then you're climbing rocks. It's through mud. It's trails. Oh, I can do that. Well, that I did two laps with her, and she was very like, slowly her, her last two. So she was kind of she wasn't like like breaking any speed records on her last two because she's already ran 20 fucking miles at that point. So I went with her, and I was like feeling good about it. I'm like, this is fun, and I'm surprised she didn't stab me in the throat. <laughs> Um, I just I don't have the attention span for it. Like I need to well, like road I running. To I don't. Like I want to look around. But, I see something. Well, like, yeah. oh, well, let me go check that out over there. Well, sure. But th- like road running, I couldn't. I couldn't do anymore. It's just I couldn't do it. It's just like running on a road. And that's what they all like. They like running on a road. They get their fastest times. But running like up a mountain through a trail, climbing rocks, jumping over trees in the middle of the road. That's fun to me. Like, oh yeah, that's fun. That's yeah. Well, I felt like I was hiking Mount Doom, ready to fucking drop the ring with fucking goddamn Samwise. I was having a great time. Hell yeah. But you know, uh, on the way, the second lap, they were they were talking about telling stories or telling jokes. So I started telling a story, and it was only uh, halfway through they realized I was telling them Shawshank Redemption, but they liked it. They're like, all right, tell another one. So I just told them Clerks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was, there was, it's been a fun, we did, we did a lot. Summer's almost over. Uh, Squeezer, have you seen my picture of all the Halloween shit I have? I did. Yes. It's a lot of shit. That's a lot of sugar. And not really. You, you always point out the sugar and everything. Um, well, yeah, because if I didn't, I would look twice as big as I do. Well, let me show you what I'm going to eat and not eat in this picture. So I'm looking at it. All right, the Pop-Tarts, I'll have, like, a half of each of those and don't touch them. Enchantress will eat probably the non-pumpkin pie ones, but she runs miles and miles, so she needs the sugar. I'll have a bowl each of the cereals. <laughs> and by a bowl, I mean I'll pour a bowl and eat us, like, a couple spoonfuls of each. The Monster Crunch is a board game, so there's no sugar in that. I've had one Oreo. Behind that is Pecan Pie uh, Granola, which is very low sugar. Uh, the cookies, I had a few. I'm not going to open the Freddy Krueger cereal. Uh, and I don't think there's any sugar in the Beetlejuice figure. And the Junior Mints, I bought especially for Enchantress. So, But Halloween's all about sugar, Squeezer. Oh, no, I, d- I don't disagree. Yeah. I'm just, I'm not a sweets guy. I'm, I'm really not either. I just like having it. I'm a savory son of a bitch. You are savory. I like... Uh, sweets too. I mean, I savory over sweets too. I'd rather a bag of chips than a bag of candy. Uh, but I'm I need to have it if there's a, if that Junior Mints box. I know Enchantress love Junior Mints, but the box is so cool. I had to ha- I had to buy it. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, here, I got No, you. I get that. I got your junior mints. I love you. Uh, be careful, though. Those Funkos are high in cholesterol. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it really clog your arteries. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm really excited for the Halloween season. And after we hit our 100th episode, we're going to be diving in to some more spooky Halloween episodes in October. Don't you worry. Spooky. Yeah, we, got, uh, we got some things in the, in the pipeline to make it a really fun season. But until then, uh, let's talk about 1980s. You want to start the podcast? Um, sure. How do we, <clears throat> how do we do this now? It's been a while. I don't remember who goes I first. I just talk into this fuzzy thing. So do you want to go first or should I? I'm going to give it to your cho- your choice. Uh, who, who's, uh, I, I think me, because I think my track is the best one to like start a show off with. All right, everybody. So <laughs> cleanse your palates, have your sorbet and prepare for the rad years. potted up i had the wrong one that's my fault uh so it's all right it was it's been a while yeah it's we're we got a little ring rust and we should have yeah. we should have wrestled what, what did you first. just the other day oh yeah i run that board so often doing the show i know it inside and out i know every working detail well, of that board. i did the right maneuver i potted <laughs> up a fader but i didn't do the right one it's because uh, i have two different eighth inch going in to you which is the mac that's what she said. And to the iPad, which is the cart machine. Ah. And I always forget which one is which, so. Because I swap it every week. You know, there's, like, labels. What's the fun in that? Ah. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing this isn't the start of the show. Yeah. So we're talking Full House right now? Is that Full what, House. Is that what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk Full House. Um, so I went back and watched all 192 episodes for this show. Uh, and I tell you what, it holds up. Oh, <laughs> Did, all right. I know you, that's not true. Have you watched a single episode of Fuller House? Uh, no, uh, not, not fully through. I, I can't. I haven't. I haven't I, watched. Either. I and gave nothing... it a shot. I watched some of it. It's just look, and I, I, I watched um, full episodes of Girl Meets World. Does that count? Not in this particular situation, but okay. Well, it, I, I guess uh, Mrs. Squeezer went through and watched it. She, she enjoyed it. 
um, for what it was. I couldn't get away from, and I, I'm not passing judgment on it. It felt like it was too much of uh, one of the, like the newer Disney shows out there. Like I felt creepy watching it. I felt like an old man watching, uh, like, uh, Hannah Montana or some shit like that. If that's even still a show anymore, she's probably thirty by now, so it's probably not creepy, but still. She is, I think. Oh, awesome. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just something felt off about it. I don't know if it was like the there was just a feel part. I'm I can't. I'm not gonna commit to this. And I, I can't, even for nostalgia's sake, I got, and my list is long enough, I can't do this. I'd rather go back and watch old episodes of Full House and, you know, pay my respects that way. All right, well, give us why. I remember watching it, obviously, TGIF. Sure. I was being babysat by my neighbor when my parents went out and did fun things. Mm-hmm. What, and staying in and watching uh, TV on a Friday night wasn't? How things changed. Where that was like a that was a thing. It's like stay in on Friday night and watch TV. Now people want to go out. Yeah, yeah. And granted, it was for families too. But I guess there wasn't anything to do back then. Like you could you can go to like a smoky bar. Uh. And I don't know. Th- those are just my experiences. When you go out, you go to a smoky bar. That's about it. Or an, an old rundown hotel that had a clam special. <laughs> Bars aren't particularly Again, not smoky. passing judgment. Those, right. that, yeah. I fucking love it. Right. Bars aren't particularly smoky anymore. At least, you know, I can't because I, I am a pussy. But, uh, yeah, there's something to be said about the fact that TGIF used to be a huge programming block, and now Friday is where television goes to die. It's but I don't even know anymore what's going on because of streaming. I don't know when people watch anything. I watch tons of TV yeah. on Friday night when I get home from work. Yeah, like for me now, it's Sunday nights, you know, because HBO, most of their good shit they throw on on a Sunday night, which is perfect because no one's out on a Sunday night. Right. You know, even even the shit like, you know, like I said, yeah, I'm starting I, to watch Mayans now. I watched the first one when it aired because I wanted to see the premiere, but I'm not watching it now. I'm recording it. Or everyone online. I, I only record it because I might watch it in, you know, as soon as we're done. Other than that, it's going to be on demand anyway. I don't even need to use my DVR. Everyone's got to unwind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, Full House was like the anchor to the TGIF block. It was actually on Friday night prior to TGIF even being a thing. It ran for that first, the first year there, and then they started building around it, and then they created TGIF. So TGIF was basically built around Full House? Full House, yeah. Full House sense. was a flagship I think, I think for it. it was on there the longest, and then it like... It passed the torch to Family Matters. Yeah, they moved it, and then they moved it to Tuesdays. Wow. Um, and then it started uh, dipping in the eighth. In the eighth, so it had strong ratings. It the the critics hated it. They just called it. It was another just a campy, cheap, uh, you know, family uh, sitcom. Right. Uh, yeah, they're right. Yeah, this is what's Dude, they're right, about. but it was a good one. And why can't we have that? Why does everything have to be this highbrow shit? Right. And they're like, oh well, every and the the beauty of Full House was, where every show, and and only one show came close to this, and that's probably Boy Meets World, um, where every show 
Uh, maybe the uh, Wonder Years too. But every every sitcom has a very special episode. Yeah. Full House. Every episode was a very special episode. It was 192 very special episodes. Right. There was a moral for every story. Everyone. That music kicked in every time. So here's a here's a good story. I've done video support for Bob Saget. And he's a really super nice guy. And we're on stage. And because usually when comedians, when like an art, like a band comes in, you don't meet the band. You're dealing with the managers, the techs, you know, they work out of the equipment. Comedians travel by themselves, sometimes with a manager. Bob Saget, a lot of them show up by themselves. He shows up, he's on stage. We're going over what he's going to do. He brings that music cue. And like near the end of his show, he brings someone up on stage to like give advice to. And he sits <laughs> him down, and he lets that music cue. He has he has the house play that music cue. It's fucking hysterical. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and that's you know he he took it and ran with it. Other people want to kind of step away from such a you know being cast on such a show. Not this cast. I mean, think about it. This show ran for eight seasons. The entire original cast. Yeah. Stuck through it to the end, and then as they even added people. Like as they added like uh, uh, Lori Loughlin as Aunt Becky, or uh, you know the twin boys, uh, the the twins, uh, the boys, or Kimmy Gibbler or, or Steve. As they added these characters in, they even stayed into the end. So much that they're still on the show, the Fuller House, right? Yeah, the, oh, the but the exception being the Olsen, um, the Olsen twins, um, which I I learned in doing my research here. You know they are not identical twins. Yeah, yeah, they're actually fraternal twins. Just very similar but i mean to be fair too as bait you could have taken any two babies they didn't have to be twins and it probably would have worked well that's their younger sister who plays um a scarlet witch looks just like them so Mm -hmm. yeah and i guess one had one had a freckle and it started to get noticeable and they wanted to fire the one and keep the other Mm -hmm. and the staff or the cast said no you got to keep them both and just deal with it and I don't think people really cared if they looked slightly different, you know. And no one noticed. Uh, no one watched no, that and show. No one noticed. No one, you know what? And especially in the late 80s, early 90s, no one noticed. If they did this now, the internet would be ablaze. Yeah, right, right. Um, there was no with, high with hate res for this show. video. There was no internet to bitch about it. Mm-hmm. Screen caps and Reddit, yeah. It was the time and the place to have, have a twin that didn't look like. And I think that's why everything we talk about on this show we're allowed to look back on with uh, rose-colored glasses because, yeah, I, I sometimes I come off harsh on this stuff, but even if I do, it's out of love and ju- and just it's my way. Right. Like I always say, if I'm if I'm nice to you, I'm afraid of you. <laughs> if I'm awful to you. It means I like you. Right. And if I don't talk to you at all, it means I don't like you. Correct. You know, so <clears throat> if I give something shit, it, it's completely out of love. Pure love. Um, but, yeah, we didn't have – we can't look back and go, oh, yeah, that was great. Oh, yeah, but then at this point, it, it was dog shit. You know, we just kind of just tear it apart. Sure, we had small wonder, but, you know, shit happens. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, they, they stuck – the whole cast stuck together to the end. Um, and then even then, uh, it was still a successful show after eight seasons. I think it was pulling, where are my, so after eight seasons, 
it was still pulling at 12.5. Right. Um, down from, I guess, the years before. Season uh, five and six were, like, its best. Uh, and it was getting, like, 17s. And then season six got, like, a 15, then 14, and then 12. And, you know, that happens with every show. It starts dropping off a little bit. And especially when you have a show based around little, you know, three little girls are like the stars and they get older. You start right. losing some of that. The, uh, the good audience and gating the, the creepy audience. Yeah. 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 Um, and it become it starts to become a, a slightly different show. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. But I guess they said production costs were the cause for that, which basically just means uh, cast salaries went up. And they crunched the numbers, and they're like, well, we're only going to get this much in. It's going to cost us this much. We're probably going to have to renew contracts down the road. So let's just pull the plug now. Yeah, it's uh, uh, all which, ran through a business uh, equation. Shit, they, would, they would kill to have a show pulling a 12.5 on a Tuesday night right now. Right. Um, yeah, th this show this show aired now. They'd probably still drag this thing out for another like four or five seasons, recast the entire thing. Yeah, you know? why not? And and leave like the only original cast member would be like Steve. Like everyone would be gone, and it, for some reason DJ's old boyfriend still lives, you know, downstairs. They're paying the cast of what's that show called? Uh... Your Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory of small fucking Fort Knox in mm -hmm. Fortune. And the cast is like, no, we're done. And the network's like, fuck, what do we do? Yeah. Well, that's gotta that's gotta just eat at you after a while. I mean, yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be nice having that regular income and it's great working on a set with a regular crew, you know, for the most part and a regular cast all the time. It's comfortable. But in that position, too, sometimes you just want to go off and do something different from time to time. you got to turn down a lot of work because right. of that show. Uh, yeah, that's 100% true. You uh, and you, no you were saying, Bob Saget, so there. everyone knows, I'm not going to go back and reiterate all the stories about all the backstage antics. Everyone knows about all the inappropriate shit that the guys were doing. Um, Which would never get away with today. No, oh God, it could never happen. No. It's on. They they said that they got in trouble because it was on the monitors. Now all those monitors are being recorded, and everyone everyone in the audience has a camera too. Yeah, right. Um. But yeah, and they were like stories of them doing whippets and stuff backstage. Um, Bob Saget was still the number one choice. Like when they developed the show, like they, we want Bob Saget, and they got Bob Saget. Well, and the original show wasn't even Full House. It was, oh, what the hell is the name of the show? Uh, wasn't like they had the concept and they like they wanted Bob Saget and then the network listened to his material and they're like, are you fucking serious? I I don't know about that. Well, because the original the original idea was pitched by um, Jeff Franklin, um, who wrote on. Uh, They were like, no, uh, Bob Saget will be perfect. I, I think he tells that story in his stand-up. He's like, they didn't want me, but they fought. For, like, the network didn't want me, but they fought for me. And Well, I mean, to be fair, though, I mean, it's pretty fucked up to begin with. All right, hey, let me pitch you a show. Here's the premise of the show. It starts off, uh, we got a dead parent 
with three young kids enter three middle-aged men. Hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. Yeah, it starts off pretty dark to begin with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was supposed to actually be the original idea was House of Comics, and it was supposed to be about three comics living together in a house, which is what I guess every writer just kind of pitches because that's, that's their experience. Their life, yeah. Um, and then ABC's like, oh, we kind of want a family show. And like, all right, throw some girls in there. Right. Hence, we got uh, Full House. And we still have Full House, because I couldn't tell you last time it hasn't been on in one form or another. I mean, it entered syndication while it was still in like its fourth season. That's when you know you're going to make money, when you get syndication yeah. and you're <laughs> still going. Uh, fifth season. I think it was 91 it entered syndication. NBC started yeah, buying it, it up. four seasons to go into syndication. Yeah. Usually it's two, figure 200 episodes, I think. Yeah. There's 100 episodes. Something like that, but yeah. we're not TV execs. We're just... No, we yeah. just watch a lot of it. Yeah. And make a lot I of do. it. But not anything particularly... I can't speak. No. Oh. Speaking of television, should we move on? Can we? Can we? Move uh, on? We should. All I want to say is, if you're gonna go back and watch one episode, like I know you don't have to go back and watch one all 192 like I did, but my one of my personal favorites, cutting it close, it's n basically all sight gags, but it's the one where Uncle Jesse breaks his arms and his arms are in a cast. I, I, I think there's no better episode to watch than that one. Sight gags, always a good show. All right, so. Time to take it down a few notches from this hilarity to something a little more serious. So obviously we're talking about the show Unsolved Mysteries, which if you haven't ever heard of it, it's a, a show hosted by Robert Stack. The good, the good episodes. It started with some guy named uh, John Cos. Oh no, that's the guy who created it. I have no idea. Started by some guy Raymond Burr presented it. Then mm -hmm. Carl Mad, 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 Malden, Malden, and of course Robert Stack came on, and it began airing on NBC in January of 1987, and. October of 88, uh, after Stack came on, it was like a full on, like they, they were big, the ratings were huge. And this was a show that not only dealt with like, oh, this guy's daughter is missing from Missouri, but like some fucking paranormal shit. Like mm -hmm. they, they went in there, they spent money on special effects and stuff, and I think that's what endeared them to their audience. I remember being scared shitless of this show, but still loving it. One, yeah. Like when it aired on like Saturday nights, and um, like when I was a kid, and then like Lifetime, I think re-aired a lot of it. Oh, it was always on, and you always knew, like even if the sound wasn't on, you always knew where it was because of like the fuzzy film look, right? Um, right. That it always had. So, uh, NBC had the series from '87 to '97, then CBS took it over for two years, and then since Lifetime aired so many of the fucking reruns constantly. Lifetime decided they were going to make the show itself and decided and put the show into production. It lasted on Lifetime for one year, if that. Uh, then after a few years of hiatus, Spike TV revived it, but no one still gave a shit. It was, they only liked the old ones with Robert Stack. Yeah. 
I like Dennis Farina, but yeah, it was it's Robert Stack's show. Dennis Farina was on Spike, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, that yeah. was like in 08. So, uh, obviously it was like cold cases, and but the the like I said, the paranormal stuff was was huge. And this this show is everywhere. You can find it on YouTube. I think it's on Amazon. It's on Hulu. I know they're trying to revive it on Netflix, but. I, th- I think it would be more fun if they just put up all the old Robert Stack episodes. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't need any, you don't need new ones. Right. Just let it, 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 it's unless you're like a hardcore fan uh, and you've seen every single one of them. Right. Well, you'd be happy and you'd go back and rewatch them all over again. Yeah, right. But for most people, they don't, they're not going to remember, you know, these stories. So basically it's like you have a show that's already done that no one's seen yet. Well, not everyone. Some people have. But, well, Squeezer, you worked on a reenactment show, Forensic Files. Yes. But you did purely, like, cold case, like, forensic cases, right? Uh, forensic not cold evidence. case. It, one of the rules, it had to be solved. So it wasn't cold. No cold cases. So it was uh, I think we might have done one. Okay. So Unsolved Mysteries did primarily cold cases and mm-hmm. unsolved crimes. It had to be unsolved. Missing persons, conspiracy theories. And, like, the crazy, like, paranormal shit. Like, alien mm. abductions, ghosts, UFOs, that secret history fun. theories. Those were my favorite. Like, did this really happen? And it was all by the guy who was in Caddyshack 2, which I loved. <laughs> um, the show originally was going to be called Missing. Have you seen this person? Ugh. Right. But then they just turned it to Unsolved Mysteries. And when Robert Stack took over, it really kind of took off. Uh, mm-hmm. It was weekly, uh, but started to decline in popularity in 94. Um, and then it obviously went until 2002. But uh, I think that's most known for its that eerie theme song, which is kind of mm-hmm. like John Carpenter-esque. Uh, it was composed by Michael Boyd and Gary Remmel Malkin. Uh, and it's, it gives like a very ominous, like, like it sets the table for what you're about to watch. And you could hear that like theme song come on at night at like two in the, like, like when the replays would air on like Lifetime or NBC at like 12, two in the morning, because they'd air them at night. Oh, nothing worse than waking up to that. I know that really ruins your night. Or for mine makes it. I loved Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, I loved Well, again, I don't know if I don't want to uh, stress this, but you know, I was a pussy. Yeah, you're a scaredy cat. I was Still more. Am. I more had like the rush of seeing it. See, my I had my I had a problem though. I was terrified of the content, especially like I was terrified like aliens were gonna abduct me. But there were two things that I absolutely loved about this show, and I had to watch it. And you, we discussed it ad nauseum just now. The theme music, and Robert Stack. I loved them together so much that I would actually sit and be terrified watching this show just because I wanted to hear that and see him. What's funny was the NBC News team like hated the show so much they made them put a disclaimer that said this is not an NBC News production. Because they're like because it's presented as almost news. Mhm. You know, real, but it's Yeah, it comes I always like got it confused with cuz you know, being a dumb kid, like I always thought it was like unsolved mysteries and like current affair and right, current affair like, um yeah i kind of like lumped them in all together so yeah i i put this in with all like like 2020 and 60 minutes 
and Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Uh, but, and and uh, America's Most Wanted. You but, know, so yeah. you group them all into one thing. Yeah, but I hate it. America's Most Wanted was boring. That guy, that guy who lost his kid, did not hold my attention whatsoever. Uh, so the, they needed your help, Ryan. I know. Well, that's true, but they weren't going to get mine. The thing about this show was uh, they would give updates because a lot of the times the attention brought to the like the boring episodes would would allow them the to be, ones where they needed help right the one they would allow them to be solved i was more interested into the ones that were probably complete bullshit like the paranormal like the the revisionist history like the the ghost ones alien abductions oh, fucking bread and butter so y- you know there were some spin-offs right spin-offs or no it's not it's not the specials the spin-offs so in 1992, NBC debuted uh, six-episode spinoffs hosted by Robert Stack called Final Appeal from the Files of Unsolved Mysteries. And then in 1995, they had a two-hour primetime movie called Escape from Terror, the Teresa Stamper story, which was hosted by Stack and was kind of the un- it was like a long-form Unsolved Mystery. In 96, they did another one called From the Files of Unsolved Mysteries, Voice from the Grave. So these are just like long like when they'd have a story like, oh, we can go long on this, you know, they they NBC would buy in because it's it's cheap, you know. And they did one more in ninety seven, so it was ninety five, six, and seven, and they did like the long form two hour ones. Which, if you think about, it, it's really only an hour and a half with commercials. So it didn't really I, I I always loved it. Um, the ratings were always huge up until like ninety four when there was a dip. But they were getting like 15, 16 million viewers for most of the seasons for a fucking show like this. Mm-hmm. And it was nominated six times for Emmys. Wow. Yeah, I, I will I will go on and tell you the compared to other TV shows, uh, the recreation budgets are not huge. Right. So which was kind of the fun, actually. Terrible. You know me. Oh, yeah. Working on a small budget, that's really the best. Terravision Records, and I'm trying to get a hold of this, made a deal with the show, and they're releasing the official score on vinyl. And it's uh, oh snap, yeah, it it, uh, it came out in June, but it's like sold out everywhere. I just found out about it researching this, and I need to get my hands on it. It was it, the segment cues were took from the original Dat tape, so I really need to fucking get my hands on this. But yeah, Unsolved Mysteries, 1987, big part of my life growing up. Uh, a big part of a lot of our lives, I think. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Squeeze your next pick. Which mm, game is this? Mega Man. Yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely not... I'm a Mega Man 2 guy. Okay. Uh, but this is from the first one. Is, is this the title screen? Yeah, it is a title screen. And then it could change depending on what you pick because it was like it was like one of those pick-your-own-adventure books. Oh, yeah. That's what, that's what was cool about this well, game. Well, that's how a lot of Capcom games were, like DuckTales, obviously. And mm-hmm. Well, this, this was... This was the first uh, game to feature, like, choose your own path. Um, There's a lot of firsts for this game. This was the first Capcom game 
developed solely for home console. Uh, everything else prior to this, Capcom made arcade games and then ported them or reworked them entirely for, you know, like the NES. Right. Whereas this was the first time where they're like, you know what, let's give this a try. Let's put a team together. Uh, you six guys, go make a video game. Hmm. Six. Six guys. It's a six-man team. And so you had guys that were like the lead artists that would like draft, you know, like they would draw the characters. And then back then you would draw the character and then you would have to like pixelate it in, in place to basically, uh, you know, almost like duplicate what you drew, but do it as best you can with 8-bit pi pixels. Mm -hmm. um, then that was like the same guy. He was telling the story, like he'd be up all night drawing and then he would go and then go and log in, if you will, and then digitize all these drawings that he just did. Right. Um, and I, it was, I, I love it too. There's so much as far as um, like gameplay because you can change, even though you have six, seven levels, including the final level, but you know, the six, uh, the six bosses, yeah. You can play them in any order you want. And by playing them in any order you want, you also unlock their particular power. Right. And then use that in other levels. So by playing in different ways, it's you can strategy. unlock different yeah. powers at different times and then go back and play different levels different ways. And there's a lot of gameplay value there. Right. Um, and also just Mega Man himself is adorable. And then when you also have it with, like, you mix in, like, the Captain N canon of Mega Man, kind of gives you a little more feel right. for the guy. Yeah, well, I mean, he was kind of annoying in Captain N. With yeah, he's kind of... Mega Man! Yeah, Mega Man. All right. Was, was Mega Man... Um, wh which Mega Man would you rather have? The uh, gravelly voice uh, Captain N Mega Man or... The Mega Man that someone drew in under six hours for the North American cover of the packaging. Folks, uh, go look. Go yeah. look up the original Mega yeah. Man uh, North American release, and tell me if that's a game you want to play. Right. It's considered amongst the worst um, gaming packaging of all time. It's horrific. It has nothing to do with the game. It's like someone didn't even play it, which they probably didn't. Because um, they made this game, they released it in Japan. It was uh, a quick, uh, not a huge success, but it did well. And they're like, you know what? Let's ship it to the U.S. They're like, hey, you got a game coming in. Get a box for it. Yeah. And then they're they, like, oh, they shit, we need box took, art. Like, hey. Your 80s background and <laughs> put that weird, like, Looks like Mega Man was just got off the toilet from taking a shit, and he's about to shoot someone who broke into his toilet. And uh, but it's bragging that it's got one megabit of memory, state of the art, high resolution graphics. State of the art. Yeah, state dash of um, dash. The so explain dash to me. Um, so clearly they never played the game, or maybe even saw a screenshot of it back then. Because why is Mega Man mostly yellow? With yeah. some blue highlights. And why does he have a pistol? Because, you know, the motherfucker came in while he was taking a shit in his tropical zombie paradise. <laughs> I don't know. 
It's a game oh, yeah, pass by Camp Com- Capcom. They didn't get yeah. much better with Mega Man 2. It wasn't until like the later ones where they started Mega Man Yeah, two. that's when they realized they had a hit on their hands. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? I guess you're. St- what if you you can't screw up being Mega Man? If you're like going to the bathroom and you got a wipe, do not use the hand cannon arm. Someone made an action figure of that Mega Man. Did you have you? Did you come across that? Yeah. Of the the artwork one. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of cool. They actually made him put him into uh, uh, what did they call? Him? Oh, bad bad box art Mega Man. There you go. Um, oh yeah. It was, uh, um, but they actually you. have yeah. him in a, a, a Street Fighter Tekken game. Yeah, I'm looking at him right now. He's got the same pistol. You see that action figure? Oh, let me see. Yeah. <laughs> <This is> just <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's what the internet is, is good for. <laughs> Things like this. Um, so what else about Mega Man? I, I was a fan, a fan of Cutman. I don't know why. I'd always play him first. And then just the soundtrack, too. And it was just a fun, exploring game. All the levels were absolutely different. You had different enemies throughout each. I don't want to uh, shit on Mario in any way, but you had a lot of the same enemies throughout the game. You know, they change a little bit. But with Mega Man, like, a lot of your enemies were different. Every different level had different guys, like, uh, Gutsman, he had like the miners and stuff like that. Then different little helicopter spinning robot kind of things going on. Right. And then you get the big stomper dealie at the end of each level. Oh, God. Uh, which would always dealie. kill me, and I would never get to him. Yeah. Um, I got to go back through. I watched a guy do a full run through in like 20 minutes or something like that. And I was like, oh, I remember this being a hell of a lot harder. But then again, you know, he also probably played the shit out and is actually really good at it. I always found it quite difficult. I can get through like one or two, and then I'd end up dying a horrible, horrible death. And Dr. Wily would take over the world. Fucking Dr. Wily. Uh, great pick. Um, it's a great call. And this is, um, you're giving further proof as to why 1987 wasn't a dud and was pretty good. Uh, my next pick it basically seals the deal early. I'm, I'm number two. You ready for it? I'm ready. Here we go. When the clock strikes half past six, babe, time to head for golden light. It's a good time for a great taste dinner at McDonald's. It's McDonald's. Come on, make it Mac tonight. So we're talking Mac tonight. The 1987 McDonald's, I think, spokesperson for the time. He became so huge. He's still, in my mind, the best spokesperson McDonald's ever had. Oh, hell yeah. He's a big moon head, and he's playing the piano, singing this Bobby Darren song. I grew up thinking the song was Mac Tonight, not Mac the Night. Because <laughs> uh, who the fuck else knew? Uh, this was, uh, he had a big crescent moon and he was sunglasses, and they, they, they had action figures of him, Happy Meal toys. Mac the Knife, I don't know why they kind of let him go. I don't know. Yeah, you think right now... Th- they brought him back not too long ago, didn't they? Um, Did they? Or maybe, th- maybe they brought him back and it was, oh, like, a while ago. 
No, I just know that uh, 27 commercials they made in three years with him. And um, dude, he was on a fucking race car. Yeah, yeah, he was Bill. He was on Elliott. Bill Elliott's '94 Ford. Nine, the '97, or was it '94? No, '94 oh, Ford 94. was the race car number. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how long that lasted. Um, I actually had the. Uh, who made the NASCAR ones? Was it Matchbox or Hot Wheels? I had that car. Yeah, I I learned that you were a fan. You and your dad. I saw your dad's uh, viewing that you guys. There was a picture of a Winston Cup race. You and your old man. Uh, we guys... went to shit. Probably from. <sighs> when did you first take me? Probably eighty nine, eighty eight or eighty nine, maybe even younger, because he would take me up for qualifying on a Friday, which is when you just watch one car at a time drive around the circle very fast, or oh, in this okay. case a triangle. Uh, and up until probably like two thousands, two early two thousands, two thousand. To, like probably right before I went to college. Um, okay. Yeah, we would go to all the. We'd take bus trips to go to other tracks and stuff. Go down to Richmond, Charlotte, and yeah, went to a ton of races. And that's just something you're not into anymore. It changed. Um, you know. It, you know, you get. It's a very much a character-driven right? sport. You know, it's you get there's names, and there are guys you like, and then you know you move on. It's kind of like pro wrestling. I get that. I get that. I get that. So, um, Mac tonight. Anyway, McDonald's wanted to drive up. Obviously, McDonald's is, you know, they have their breakfast, but McDonald's, like, hardcore money probably came from lunch. It probably still does. Uh, people go to McDonald's for lunch. They wanted to drive their after 4 o'clock dinner business. So, why not make a guy about Mac tonight? Going to go get a Big Mac tonight. Yeah, hit up Mac tonight. Uh, so, they designed... Um, they didn't want to have real people or celebrities because that never worked. So why not make an anthropomorphic? Yeah, close enough. Moon, uh, with a man's body and set in the 1950s. To that's what they did a lot in the 80s, if you notice. They used a lot of 50s styling. So a lot of the stuff we would mistake, like the neon lights and everything, for 80s was really mm-hmm. 50s that they were using to catch the baby boomers. You know, in that time, because they were like our age back then. Same, just so just like they're doing with eighty shit like now. What we're doing with our podcast now. <laughs> so he was huge. He garnered like cult light following. He was like Max Headroom in that in that sense. That, where that's I always got them confused as a kid. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, the campaign was like huge, and it increased their uh, dinner time business by over ten percent, which is a pretty big number. And um, he's like, he was still uh, featured in a lot of restaurants well after they like did away with it. In the September '87 survey by AdWatch, the number of consumers who could recall McDonald's advertising before any other doubled from the previous month, and was higher than any other company since the new Coke launch in '85. Um, Mac tonight, I love him. I still have a little back tonight figure on my desk at work. Uh, I had a metal business card. Like, I, I don't, I wouldn't call it a business card, but it was like, it was a piece of stamped metal the size of a business card with like a Mac tonight, like image and like him, a logo and like his name and stuff on it. Really? 
I, I wish I still had it. It could be at my mom's house. It's one of those weird little things I would love to still find. Um, but it was the oddest thing. All I remember is it was razor sharp on the corners. Metal card. I'm looking. I was Google image it too, but. Couldn't find it? No. What did it say? Make it Mac tonight? Was it this? Oh, this is a pen. It wasn't a button, like a pen? Nope. What like what color was it? I want to find this. It was it was silver. It was like or it was just metal. It was a you know like a stainless steel card, and then uh, with huh. him on it. And is it, there's no color to it. There was color on it, but the actual like card itself, like if you flip it over or on the edges, it was just you know like aluminum. Huh. I can find that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's one of those things, like, in the back of my head, I think about, like, you know, just walking down the street or, you know, doing a 5K or something. I just, you know what? Remember that Mac Tonight card I had? Yeah, he was huge and um, there's a lot of merch, but I can't find that. But I'm going to look for that. I'm, gonna, I'm putting it on my notebook right here. To look Is that for. it? That's a, no, that's a pin. It's a pin, yeah. Yeah, you're looking probably at the same thing I'm looking the, at. It was like him playing a piano? Yeah. Uh, let's move on. I don't think that was it. That's, uh, I, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. And we'll uh, let people know. No, no, this isn't it. But uh, are you ready for your next pick? Uh, yes. This is the Micro Machine Man, presenting the most midget miniature motorcade of Micro Machines. Each one has dramatic details, terrific trim, precision paint jobs, plus incredible Micro Machine pocket play sets. There's a police station, fire station, restaurant, service station, and more. Perfect pocket portables to take any place. And there are many miniature play sets to play with, and each one comes with its own special edition Micro Machine vehicle and fun, fantastic features that miraculously move. Raise the bolt lift at the airport marina, man the gun turret at the army base, clean your car at the car wash, raise the toll bridge. And these play sets fit together to form a Micro Machine world. Micro Machine pocket play sets, so tremendously tiny, so perfectly precise, so dazzlingly detailed, you'll want to pocket them all. Micro Machines and Micro Machine pocket play sets sold separately from Galoob. The smaller they are, the better they are. Ah, uh, Micro Machida. Ah, uh, uh, John Machida. Yeah. I'm so bummed I didn't get to meet him. I did. Why well, didn't meet him? I was in his presence. Yeah. It was uh, RetroCon before you. It was right. You were there, right? No. Oh, I thought you were there. Because I think, did you go the year before me? Yeah, I did, but I thought he was there. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Mm. I mean, he's really what pushed Micro Machines over the top. Like, the initial promotion and the launch of these uh, was huge. It was awesome. I, I, If you told me you had to pick a toy car, I'm going Micro Machines. Yeah, you. this I, isn't the first time you waxed eloquently about the Star Wars Micro Machines in the past. Oh, they were fantastic. The little detail in I absolutely love those things. Um, I was not... Uh, I'm gonna. I'm sure there's guys out there. I'll get hate for that. But Hot Wheels, and uh, Matchbox, right. uh, not my thing. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Maybe maybe it's because I was so weak and frail. The diecast was too hard for me to pick up. What? How could you be weak and frail with all that cast iron skillet cooking and morning Saturday morning pizza? Uh, I just I burn myself out. So you burn you burn all that you get all that lactic acid buildup cooking breakfast and then you carbo load 
And then you have to go with micro machines because you need that smaller, lighter scale. Uh, you just can't handle a die-cast car. I mean, when you're right, you're right. Yeah. I learned about lactic acid buildup from a few good men. So just so you people are aware, I get my medical advice from uh, movies directed by Meathead. It's a great movie. Damn right it was. Um, so it, these were originally developed. The idea was... Uh, I don't know how you come up with the idea for tiny cars. I mean, tiny cars. But uh, Clemens V. Hedding Jr., uh, I think that's how it's pronounced, um, out of his toy store in Fun City, USA, in uh, Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, came up with this idea. And uh, of just a tiny, I guess even smaller, very detailed uh, playset cars. Whereas, you know, like... Uh, Hot Wheels, and again, they're big in, like, the collector scene, you know? Right. Um, and, like, you would have them in their packaging, or, you know, or some kids have a couple cars, and you smash them together, drive them around. These were designed to be all part of, like, a play set and work together, and they came in multi-packs, you know? That, of course, yeah. That was a strong suit and also a downside, too, because sometimes you just want to buy one cheap car. You're kind of stuck buying a multi-pack. Right, the multi-packs were, were themed around something in particular. Yeah. And you always get the one, you always right. get, like, going back to Star Wars, you get the one Bespin cloud car, or, <laughs> or Bespin itself. Right. Why, why do I want, I don't want Bespin. If I had, give, give me a full-scale Bespin, you know? Um, but, uh, where was I going to, what was cool was, like, the play sets. And especially, like, early on, like, the more simple ones. They went really big over the top, and then they introduced, like, the, um. Are we talking Van City? Van City, Yeah. Um, but, but before all that, they had the tiny little ones, like you were talking about, remember when you were talking about the old, uh, checker games and shit, the yeah. little magnetic checker games, like, yeah. like the travel pack ones yeah. that fold up. Well, that's what basically micro machine sets were, where they'd fold up and you'd have like your, your, uh, cars could be inside and you unfold it and you have a little playset top, yeah, you know, my, like a little city street. My brother had one that was a fire engine that took a battery and, like, the lights would light up. It was a firehouse. Oh, cool. Engine, a firehouse. Uh, okay. I found it on eBay, like, 10 years ago and rebought it in a box for him. He still has it in his office. Oh, that's sweet of you. firehouse, and it would fold down. You could put a couple of your cars in it. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And, and then all these sets, though, because they're all little squares, they can interlock with each other. So you can build, like, a massive city... And they did uh, with these. I only had like one or two of those um, uh, of the like the smaller ones. I had some cooler places. I had one of the aircraft carriers, you know, spoiled squeezer. Um, and you know, and then they started coming out with like cool, like they had like tanks and stuff, and a lot of cool planes. I would I was big into the planes for a while. A lot of micro machine uh, aeronautical, if you will, aero. Sure. Yeah, I'll take it. That's a word. Um, but yeah, I, I was just, I was a big fan of them and they scaled perfectly with the linoleum floor pattern in my kitchen and they made perfect city streets. <laughs> so how, how did you collect? How long did you collect? I mean, if the star Wars ones were like 92, right? How long did you, collect? uh, 93. Uh, yeah, I was big. I had a lot of star Wars ones and then also a lot of the planes, fighter jets and stuff as I, I got older. I probably, 
you know, if you stop buying toys as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, when when when's a fair time to say you stop doing that and you were too cool for the room? Let's say fourteen. Uh, what year was that? So ninety-seven, ninety. Okay, so yeah, I was still probably getting these, and even then, like I would still get like when the Star Wars figures were coming, releasing out. Like I don't know when Shadows of the Empire figures. You know, I still had to get those. Um, but yeah, I I would still Micro Machines are one of those things I would still grab, especially like uh like I said, I was big into the plain ones, um, and the Star Wars ones I would still get. And then I'd still grab a couple from time to time of just the cars, you know, if they were around. Because they were great, too, because, you know, you can throw a bunch in your pocket. And you can just go somewhere, and you always have a few cars if you need them. <laughs> if you need them. You know they're there. Oh, man, great pick. Um, Thanks. It, it was a glue product, then Hasbro got it, and now they're kind of on and off the shelf. They don't know what to do with them. It's a tough toy market out there. Because kids could swallow and die on them. Probably. Um, all right, you ready to move on? But shall. What the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? In the past then. When? Just now. We're at now, now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? Soon. Soon. <laughs> That's a line from a fantastic fucking movie. I'm talking Spaceballs. Now, I was going to do another movie, but we've talked about it enough, and I felt like we haven't talked about Spaceballs enough. Squeezer, would you agree? That's a very good point. This movie was so important to me. I, I think we saw and I played with with um, Star Wars figures, but I remember Spaceballs before I remember any Star Wars or Star Trek or anything yes. that parodied. Ab- absolutely. Uh, 100%. So this was just a, a pure parody. And t- the funny thing is the scene with the merchandising, 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 you know, with, with, with yogurt as yogurt. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess uh, he, to get George Lucas's blessing, he said, uh, George Lucas said, you can't put out any action figures. He said, because they'd look just like mine. And Mel Brooks was like, fine, I'm not trying to put out any action figures. It's probably why there really hasn't been any action figures ever put out for Spaceballs. That's true. Because that's the one deal he had with Lucas. Uh, he also had Lucas do all the pro- Lucas's company do all the post production on it. He, he, you know, I think his line was, um, uh, "I'm playing. Uh, I was playing ball with people who could who could have said no, uh, and is afraid." Uh, That you know, if you you know, he, he was just trying to play nice. So, and of yeah. course, if you're gonna do s- fucking the lightsaber effects, why not have the masters of it, you know, do it? Um, Lucas would later send Mel Brooks a note saying how much he loved Spaceballs, and he said he was afraid he, he was afraid he was gonna bust his ass laughing uh, so hard he really enjoyed it. So, George Lucas does have a sense of humor. Yeah, it does, and it, it does pay absolute respect to all the source material. Oh, well, uh, Mel Brooks always... Mel Brooks is fucking genius. Yes. And um, I love the... the I, I'm still waiting for Spaceballs 2 to search for no, for more money. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the self-awareness like awareness the movie had. Yep. Um, 
I, I like I love the scene in the beginning where John Candy's eating out of the big bucket of dog food. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. There's so many great. Yeah, and it was very, uh, it was a very good kid-friendly introduction to Mel Brooks too. Yeah, oh, absolutely, very much. And so. this, for the longest time, was my favorite Mel Brooks movie. You said, "What's your favorite?" I would say, Spaceballs. Yeah, me too. It wasn't until I was, you know, older, maybe even like the last ten years, where I would say it's History of the World. Yeah. Just because I'm a, you know, history nerd and I like that shit. But Spaceballs is still like up there and pro you know. Right. I, it's not like I could pick one over the other. It's like it's like your children. Um some of the gags with Dark Helmet were my favorite. Like when he'd talk in that real deep voice when he'd have the <laughs> thing over his Yeah. Uh and then he'd be like really high and dorky with it up. Um he uh so true fact, the escape pod launch sequence was an unused clip from A New Hope. Um, Lucasfilm gave it to Mel Brooks to use. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, Lucas, of course, said no merchandise, no action figures. And uh, that made the joke with Yogurt and the Dinks doing merchandising. Like, they just made up all those, all those jokes. Do you see the recent controversy out of the whole merchandising thing? No. With, uh, uh, what's his name? Who's the real smart guy out there that does crazy shit? Elon Musk? Elon Musk, yeah. On, uh, on Rogan's podcast. So everyone's making a big deal because he went on there with, like, a flamethrower. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he admits it's not a flamethrower. It even says on it, not a flamethrower. Right. Um, it's really just, like, a, a butane torch with, like, yeah. a plastic grip on it. Yeah. And he's like... And it's his, like, that his company sold yeah. as, like, a parody. And this guy, the most brilliant man in the world, is lovingly reciting to Joe Rogan uh, the scene from Spaceballs because he loves it so much that, as a joke, he also wanted to have his own flamethrower that he sold out of his store oh, just as awesome. a gag. I just saw the picture Rogan posted on Instagram. I didn't Yeah. So everyone's up in arms about this when, if you listen to it, it's just... This genius talking about his love for Spaceballs so much so that he had took the time out of his company to also have his own uh, Tesla, the flamethrower. Right. But, uh, yeah, this inspired so many people, Elon Musk, from Elon Musk to Arcane Squeezer. And uh, it's just, what's your favorite scene? Um, for me, it's probably, probably the end in the diner, the alien scene. All right, well that that's a scene, but I think my favorite would be um, uh, combing the desert. We don't find shit. We ain't find shit. Uh, and you know what? Probably my favorite though would be what you play. Like as far as like dialogue goes, mm-hmm. what you played the where are we? When is now? Yeah, that's a good one. And also too. the sight gag of them seeing themselves. Uh, yeah, that that's probably that. And then John Hurt actually showing up to die in the film uh, as Kane. Uh, th- those two are my favorite. And I think I'm probably, I probably saw that before I saw Alien. 
And then seeing this as a kid and like laughing it made me want to go back and then watch Alien, which then traumatized me. Um, of course, how Alien will traumatize you. Uh, oh, and then cast-wise, though, Joan Rivers, I think, steals the show. As Dot Matrix? Yeah, yes. for sure. She's very brave. Which I did not get until I was probably in college. <laughs> you didn't get... Oh, well, I had a Dot Matrix printer back then, so... Well, I did, too, but I didn't put two and two. To, I'm not that bright. Well, no, you are. You are. Don't sell yourself short. Um, all right, we're moving on to your fourth pick. We're and getting... it's the first time in a long line of Bill Pullman blowing up spaceships. <laughs> True. America's number one action hit is hitting the holidays. Arnold is at his best. Fans start running, says Joel Siegel of Good Morning America. Showtime. The best Schwarzenegger movie since The Terminator, says Michael Wilmington, L.A. Times. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the running man. I'll be back. The running man. Rated R now playing. The running man. I'll be back. Oh, talk about hitting a little too close to home nowadays, huh? Yeah. Uh, here's the beauty of Running Man. Uh, so the book itself uh, takes place uh, written by Richard Bachman. Do you know who Richard Bachman is? No. Stephen King. Oh. Pen name for Stephen King. When when they bought the rights to it, Did they, they know? didn't know it was Stephen King. Wow. They paid all this money. They like they loved this idea. Let's get this Richard Bachman. The rights it from this Richard Bachman book, and then they got it, and like, oh, that's Stephen King. Oh shit. But they couldn't market it as Stephen King, right? No, no. So you could say you could put in uh, Running Man is up there with The Shining and Maximum Overdrive. It's a Stephen King film. Yeah. Um, barely. I mean, then again, you could say most of those were barely Stephen King films, or a few of them. Most of them. I meant to say something there. Um, yeah, they, they took the basic outline of it, but a, lo a lot of it was scrapped. And then also a lot of the, the darker tones and stuff and like the development of the futurized world was all kind of scrapped, uh, leaving like a shell of what could be, and then focusing mostly on the action and doing what Arnold does best. Um, they went through like four directors, um, Guys were already going over budget and over time, which it was a $27 million budget, which was pretty decent at the time. Um, and then uh, but the time frame was kind of tight. And they just, you could tell they wanted to kind of, they got the rights. Let's churn this thing out. We got Arnold. He's a name. Um, and they brought in this uh, uh, director, uh, Paul Michael Glazer. Do you know who that is? Uh are you typing? Yes. It's Starsky. Star ah. Yeah. From of Starsky and Hutch. He also did Kazam. Uh the Shack vehicle. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um and Schwarzenegger would go on to say, uh, where's the quote here? Da, 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 da. I don't need the quote. He was really disappointed with it. He did not wait like the way that uh Glacer did it, because he was a TV director. And he said he filmed it and shot it like it was a TV show. And so Schwarzenegger, he was looking at it, and he saw, like, all this dystopian future that you could build on and this backstory, and he felt like a lot of it was lost. And it actually got me thinking, like, 
what could like a uh, you know if you would have given this to like a legit sci-fi director if if you know James Cameron or uh, I don't know who else like who would you give that to like uh legit sci- Ridley Scott Ridley oh well yeah oh that would have been awesome. I don't know if you would have done it would have been much more uh dramatic. It wouldn't have been I don't think you'd have nearly as much action. Um but the world would be much more fleshed out. Which it still was. Like you got the whole idea behind it. The game show to me, like the action sequences of Arnold um battling um what the hell were they called? The stalkers. Okay. Arnold battling the stalkers was to me was far less interesting than actual um, Richard Dawson's character running the game show, you know, and, and doing his thing like people winning prizes as they're watching the game and like the interactive, the social interaction with it. Like it was ahead of its time. And the scary thing is it takes place between 2017 and 2019. Ah, it's not so that close. far off that outside far off. the excessive amount of neon and just lots of red flooded out right. uh, across the sets. A yeah. uh, lot, lot of lot of smoke and red light to just kind of hide the sets and backgrounds. So you could tell. But yeah, to me, it was like the behind-the-scenes stuff of the show is what it could be more about. Hell, make this a series. And it doesn't even have to be about the actual like Arnold character and the people in there. Make it a show about the show. Make the, give me Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, but, you know, instead it's, you know. But didn't they kind of remake it with, um, what's that fucking Hunger Games shit? Yeah, it's pretty much, like, well, they, there's like 30 of those. Right. Um, but, yeah, this was like, I don't want to say this was the first, mm-hmm. but the fact that they had to do this, they got the rights to uh, the, the Bachman the book. Yeah. It says that at the time it was an original idea. I like the idea uh, in the trailer how they say it's like the best Arnold movie since Terminator. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how many did he do since then? And I'm like, and so I went back and I looked. And so since Terminator uh, and prior to Running Man, he did, uh, oh, Red Sonja, which we talked about, um, which ironically he played, he was in and played Lord Calador to Red Sonja because he couldn't be Conan, because there's this whole... Because I guess Conan was owned by, I want to say, Universal. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the production company didn't have the rights. Uh, it was Dino De Laurentiis, you know, that did the Conan movies. Yeah. And he did them with Universal. Well, he went with another company on his own to do Red Sonja, so because that Universal was involved, he still wanted Arnold, and Arnold still the contract to do one movie for him, and uh, they couldn't call him Conan, so they called him Lord Calador. I'm pretty sure that's how it works out. Oh. I'm sure there's those hardcore Conan people out there that are be screaming at their uh, device, if you will. And then, he, and then Commando. Then Raw Deal, which I don't think I've ever seen Raw Deal. Uh, and then Predator came out in 87 as well. It was a toss-up. Do I talk Predator or Running Man? Um, and, then, and then finally Running Man. 
So, I don't know. Commando's pretty awesome. And I, I say Predator is better than Running Man. Okay. Can we just, do we agree? Yeah. I'll agree with that. All right. Speaking of Predator, know who else was in Running Man and who I think steals the show outside of Richard Dawkins? Uh, the governor, Jesse Ventura. The governor, the other governor. Yeah. Two governors in this movie. Again, uh, Jesse the body um, as Captain Freedom. Yeah, that's why they bought, brought Jesse in to referee, and, uh, referee the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks because he's putting out uh, Running Man that summer. I yeah, um, or eighty-nine. I forget what it was. Uh, it, it, he was hilarious in it, uh, and he plays it real over the top. Um, basically, it's like he's doing a wrestling shoot the entire movie. Hmm. Uh, and he's just—I I think he's just hilarious throughout. It's, go back if you go back and watch Running Man. If you can, just—I uh, know they do a pretty good job of trying to pull as much as they can of this off. There's not a lot of Running Man clips out there. Yeah. Um, but try to find the Jesse the Body ones from Running Man. They're fantastic. Sweet. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, we're, we're getting. Oh, oh, I got one little piece of trivia yet too. So okay. part of the spoilers, if you haven't seen a thirty-year-old movie yet, um, part of the scene with Jesse the Body and stuff like that, they actually uh, kill Schwarzenegger without actually killing him by using some technology where they digitally uh, remap a face uh, using like CGI. So like to trick the audience into thinking that they had killed Schwarzenegger mm -hmm. and it's technology that they just made up in 1987. Uh, do you know when the first time technology like that was actually used? No. It'd be six years later. In Jurassic Park. Ah. Oh yeah. On Lex's face, right? Yep, when Lex falls through the ceiling, oh, the, the ceiling, stunt yeah. double looks up. Yeah, stunt double looks yep. up. Yep, and they, they... That was, like, I think they said the most... Out of all the dinosaurs, that was the most complicated shot. Yes, yep. Sorry. I would have just reshot the take, yeah. looked down. Just reshoot it. But that still, that shot just sells that... Oh, that look yeah. is so good. Um, sweet. So, uh, I talked about Mac tonight earlier, and um, here's a little story about a uh, little Mac. Another Mac, but a little Mac. I'm talking Little Mac and Mike Tyson yeah. and Jack. Came out in 1987, developed by Nintendo R&D 3. Uh, it was an arcade, but they ported it for home and used Mike Tyson because he was the biggest star at the time. And uh, they didn't fully emulate the arcade, but they were able to make a playable boxer uh, Smaller, really tiny, so you could see the opponent because it was wireframed in uh, in the arcade game. So that's why the players used to be where little Mac was little, and the players were so big. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, when the gold version was released, the uh, people in Japan were the, the bosses in Nintendo Japan were, were kind of into Mike Tyson. He just was the heavyweight champion and. Um, he had like tremendous power and skill. They noticed, so they were like, "Let's get him on uh, uh, this game." And they paid him fifty thousand dollars, rumored for three years of his likeness. And it was a risk uh, 
because, you know, Tyson, they didn't realize at the time that Tyson was a goddamn maniac who would beat women by the ears and threaten to rape children. Uh, of course, we all know the story of Punch-Out, Little Mac fighting his way to fighting to the World Video Game Boxing Championships, and uh, the cutscenes where he'd be running through the streets of New York City, being chased by his trainer on a bicycle in a pink jumpsuit, and you get those cutscenes that would give you the code so you could get back to the same characters, and you'd fight Glass Joe, Von Kaiser, Piston Honda, Don Flamenco, King Hippo, Great Tiger, and Bald Bull. Uh, then later, uh, that you'd fight um, Super Macho Man and uh, Mike Tyson, or um, Mr. Green, as they say. This game, so much fun to play. I, I, was, I got the Nintendo Classic Edition. I was playing it the other day. It's still so much fun. Squeeze, I'm sure you loved it. Oh, it's fantastic. I sucked at it. No surprise. Yeah, I mean, we, we'd play in my friend Vincent's basement all the time. He had it. And, like, we, we got one of, you know those old, like, novels that would give you codes for the Nintendo games? Mm-hmm. And, like, one of them had the code to get to Mike Tyson. So we'd go out and we'd see how long we could last with Tyson. Not, none of us really got that long. Uh, their Punch-Out! characters were featured in the, the trading cards, the Nintendo comic system, which we talked about on this show. And, of course, King Hippo is featured as a villain in Captain N and the Game Master. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, did a, they did a couple arcades. They did a one for Super Nintendo, and then they rebooted it for the Wii, the Punch-Out! for the Wii, which I had. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, which would later just be called Punch-Out! featuring Mr. Green. Has a pretty big legacy in Nintendo lore, and uh, still considered a classic to this day. Was at the time was that probably? I'm assuming that's like the most expensive um, licensing of a likeness. I don't know for a video game at the time. You're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just we'll, we're recording this, and we'll just say it is. Yeah. Why not? You know, it's the internet. But. Of course, I save all my things that I don't have a lot to say for for the end, so I just wanted to get the basics out there. Everyone knows everything about Punch-Out. I, just wanted I to liked it for... just. It, it, it came across as simple, but it wasn't. You know, there there's definitely some, some strategy if you you're have, good at yeah, it, but yeah. like, it wasn't just straight-up button masher, but for me, I liked the colors. Yeah. It really was just... It was a pretty game, it especially was. for the time. Yeah. Mario's you know? in it. He's the ref. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Mike Tyson's Punch-Out from 1987. Uh, Squeeze, your last pick. You ready for it? Uh, yeah, this is going to be a thrilling clip. He comes from a secret place far below the city streets, hiding his face from strangers, safe from hate and harm. He brought me there to save my life. And now, Wherever I go, he is with me in spirit. For we have a bond stronger than friendship or love. And although we cannot be together, we will never, ever be apart. What the fuck? Yeah, kind of like movie trailers, they didn't know how to do intros to TV shows back then either. I guess not. That was half of the intro, because I, I cut it down because it's over a minute, of the introduction to the CBS uh, drama series, American fantasy drama series, uh, Beauty and the Beast. 
starring Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman. Ah, uh, that's right. Uh, Hellboy was the beast, yeah. Hell yeah. Do you remember watching this at all? Never. Uh, I remember watching this not as like a fan, just I think my mom watched it, or I caught bits and pieces, and I was just weirded out by it. Um, but I was always, it's one of those things, the image of Ron Perlman as the Beast, like, always stuck in my head. I always just thought it was, like, this cool image. Uh, and, and I was also a fan of, like, his little subterranean lair. And uh, it was like a, 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 like a superhero crime fight. It was like a Ninja Turtle with hair. Yeah. Okay. I could get that. Um, yeah, so it was an update of the, of the Beauty and the Beast um, story. Um, and this was before Disney did their launch, but I mean, it's nothing new. This, you know, story goes back to shit. When was the original fairy tale for Beauty and the Beast written? I want to, it's like the 1700s. Okay. Um, it's a tale as old as time. It's a tale as old as time. And you know what? Um, even though this, that song is not in this movie, but it's in the animated one. Oh, and that's I will one admit that makes you cry, right? It's a great, it's a great fucking movie. No, that's Ralph Garman. I, already, I'm I told of, you yeah. before, like one of my favorite cinematic shots of all time, is in a cartoon, and it's in the Beauty and the Beast, and that ballroom shot as the camera tracks down over the chandelier and around. It's phenomenal. Yeah, that was done computer. That was digital. Yeah, yeah. it was just mind blowing. Um, not here. This is a uh, like a. Uh, so Linda Hamlin plays a, a district attorney who is rescued by uh, Vincent, who is the Beast, uh, Ron Perlman, and they develop a relationship, they fall in love, and then their stories kind of cross. He's the underground hero doing his thing, and she's the attorney upstairs doing her thing, and, you know, it's like, oh, how are you trying to... You don't have probable cause. You don't know this. Well, she knows it because, you know, she was there and the Beast is doing his thing. Uh, he's never, like, uh, cured of his beastliness, mm -hmm. and I don't think they really ever delved too deeply into the backstory of it um but uh like he never was cured of it even though they fell in love his inner beauty came out uh so they say because as soon as they turn him human it's just a you know romantic show right um ron perlman uh won a golden globe for best actor in this damn thing um believe it or not it only lasted it was three seasons like three and a half or two and a half actually uh, 56 episodes. Uh, Linda Hamilton got pregnant and wanted out uh, as time went on. And then they replaced her, and it only lasted like another 10 episodes uh, after that. Spoilers, all right? If anyone is going to go back and rewatch the entire series of Beauty and the Beast, spoilers ahead. Ready? One, yeah. two, three. All right. Uh, so they kill her off in the series, and it's the lamest death ever where she finally delivers the beast's baby and she's like trapped by the bad guy they take the baby out and then uh the doctor evil doctor guy that's working for the other guy turns around and gives her a shot and goes you won't feel any pain and cut to like the beast finding her on the, like a helicopter pad or some shit and then she dies that's weird yeah yeah, it's no... What did the show no, do after they killed her off? Uh, they replaced her with uh, another, like, DA that came in to um, find her murderer. Oh, 
I'm I think it was Joe Anderson. Yes. I got a few. Uh, the makeup it? was pretty damn good, too. Of course. Why am I asking? Oh, my God. This is haunting. What? Is it this Ron Perlman looks like Ron Perlman. Yeah, yeah. He looks Just like that. Who's hair. that socialite woman who got herself to make look like a cat? Oh, yeah. That's who he looks like. I always, I always found it weird too, especially now. Oh, and also, um, one of the writers on this show, uh, George R. R. Martin. Oh, really? Make, makes perfect sense. It's yeah. right up his, you know, right up his alley. That kind of, that kind of material. Um, and you know, he had to be working on this because he's definitely not working on another uh, song of uh, some fire book. Um, but I always found it weird too because this really is, and I mean, they're two great actors. You know, and it wasn't all about, you know, the gimmick of him, the beast and her, the attorney. And it really was a well-written love story uh, for the most part. And the two of them really sold it. Fan they were fan they were really fantastic at it. But I just found it always weird, though. Like they played these two sappy characters mm -hmm. and together they're two of the most badass. Outside of that, the two most badass characters on film and screen. He he's Hellboy and Clay Morrow, and she's Sarah fucking Connor. That's true. And she also burned down a cornfield and defeated a demon. Oh, well, look at that. I leave that out because she was supposed to die. You know. But she didn't. Spoilers. Of the book. All right. Uh I got another short one if you want to hear about it quickly and we could wrap this up. Oh, we can wrap it up just fine. All right, here we go. Honey. <laughs> Douglas is going away to camp. So? So, so who's going to program the VCR? Panasonic understands. So this VCR is as simple to program as drawing a line. This Panasonic shows you what to do on screen. You can even use a phone to program this VCR. My parents don't need me anymore. They got a Panasonic VCR too, huh? If it's Panasonic, it's easy to program. I just found this Panasonic VCR commercial from 1997 because it wasn't a commercial. I'm talking about the Play School Fun Witch Factory. And this was a kid's <laughs> toy. Oh, I was excited to talk about VCRs. No, no, no. This was a kid's toy that basically uh, had these, like, uh, molds in it that you'd press into a sandwich that was, like, Mickey, Daffy, not Mickey, uh, Mickey, Donald, oh, yeah. Daisy, and Goofy. And you put the mold in. Um... Uh, then you run it through the factory, like you run it like the sandwich through, and it mm -hmm. imprint the face into it, and then it came with like little things to cut the crust off and whatnot. It was a cute little thing, and we had it, and we maybe used it five or six times. Sure. It wasn't anything spectacular, but uh, it was I fun. could use one of these right now. A fun witch factory? Yeah. Yeah, we all could. Uh, but yeah, I don't have much to say about it. I just wanted people to remember it and go Google it and look at it and be like, you know what? I had one of these. I don't know if I, I had something similar. My mom had one, um, you know, like the crustables. Yeah. You can buy them like the, the little circles and the crimped sides. Yeah. She, she bought from one of the, like those magazine get together things. One of those, like, but it's a metal press. So you'd make your sandwich and then 
cut it down and press it and you make your own crustables. This was before crustables was a thing. Like you would make your own. Um, oh, right. Yeah. That's what this thing was. You kind of made your own yeah. fun witch. Yeah, it was fun. You know, it, it's I, I'm a big fan of uh, removing uh, two-thirds of a food product and then throwing it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, that was back in the wasteful 80s when bread meant nothing to us. Now it's the best thing you can possibly do is throw two-thirds of that bread away. Yeah, for your health. Um, this was fun going back to 1987. We did almost... Uh, Two hours of 1987. Wow. Yeah. It was fun coming back doing a show. Yeah. We're going to get one. We're going to do another one, and then we'll have enough, We'll have one every week because I'm going away with Enchantress for a bit, but we'll st- we're going to record a couple for you. So uh, we'll be back. In the meantime, go to uh, r- like and review. Write, r- rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen. That's the best way, and the, the free way, the easiest way to help us out if you like us. Uh, go to radiers.com, read the blog, send us an email. Uh, visit our Instagram or do whatever, but uh, keep listening, and we'll be back next week, right, Squeeze? We'll, we will definitely be back. We're uh, back. We're, we're back back. We're back, just like the Ghostbusters in 1989. Until then, yeah. I'm RK. I'm Squeezer. Have a good night.